Welcome to the Zeitgeist 19 curated podcast, exploring the spirit of now through the lens of art and sustainability. Your hosts are Farah Pirie and Elizabeth Zhivkova. In this episode, we speak with Lorenzo Piazzi, a co-founder of Design Library Network, about the future of the contemporary library and all the challenges along the way of digitalization. Lorenzo discusses the importance of cooperation in community development and the means of multiculturalism in his multifaceted research practice. Thank you for being here with us today. Can you tell us more about your project Design Library? How was the idea born and what were the stages of its worldwide development? Uh, well, actually, the idea was not mine. I entered Design Library in 2011. Since at that time, the Milan's office and uh, partially, let me say, not 100% uh, functionals uh, in Istanbul and uh, Shanghai branches have been opened, at least inaugurated. And since 2016, as far as I remember, 15, 16, a new branch, the first uh, amongst European countries, have been opened in Lithuania, where I am speaking from right now at the moment. Uh, but let's say that my role in Design Library was actually to transform a um, cultural based company which actually was represented by this network of private libraries thematic on design in a real network uh, that have put it in direct connections members from different local communities of love design let's say whatever fans lovers students studios uh, institutions in this sector so the the only idea, if we can call like that, that I got was about the fact that any individual who would join the network by becoming a member, at the end became a member of the entire network of the libraries. So originally, technical. It's it's a very technical stuff, but. Uh, it's a very strong point. Uh, at the libraries, when you're entering the libraries, the doors open just with a valid card, membership card, uh, which is personal. So if I had an idea, I was the one to use some technologies to gather all the community members so to let it become not a network of library but a network of people that were free to exchange that was my contribute actually together with the digitizations of the archive i started in 2014 in milan and we are now digitizing all the archive this is actually the thing that i am in. And along the way, let me say that I found some very good partners around me that decided to join the project. So at the very beginning, we were just me and Stefania. 
which is the national secretary of the cultural association. And along the way, I found uh, a lot of partners that did really like the idea and uh, helped us a lot in this digital transformations and, and, and accessibility to our contents. This is actually what I'm doing in the library and I am keep going, especially in this period, you can understand clearly by yourself without any additional comments by my side. Lorenzo, design is subtly at work in every element of our lives. How important is design literacy in the construction of a multicultural identity? Maddalena. <laughs> Maddalena. These are those kinds of questions that we, me and you, because I know your background, you're coming from Polytechnico, so we perfectly know where we are going to land in this environment, in the environment around the meaning of design and uh, what is this transformation we are living in at the moment in the role of designers, first of all. But let me, there is a person, I think everybody agree on this fact that together with probably additional three or four all around the globe 20 years ago, 15 years ago started this process of transformation in the design fields, which is uh, Ezio Manzini from Polytechnic. Since he wrote that book, Design When Everybody Designs, the message has been spread. But the truth is that all the cultural industries and all the people and the stakeholders that were working into the design cultural system, they were leading that kind of transformation every day because people who were entering their door, the, the, the museums, the libraries, the, the, uh, also the universities, right? They were already creating this interdisciplinary design system where we are living in today. Ezio has just better defined the systems, this new system, this new way of, of, of looking at design. And um, by, I think that the biggest transformations under this point of view is related to the process and I lived and I have experienced by myself by traveling abroad and facing local communities, even small communities of designers, the transformations that we lived across the 50s and the 60s when designs, don't ask me why, maybe somebody can also help me to find this, the proper answer to this. Um, in Italy, specifically, have been in sort of way uh, detached from the architecture field, right? If you're traveling abroad nowadays, most of the time, design is um, but in a sort of way, is always a child of someone else, right? This hybrid nature 
I think, is think deep into the meaning of design systems itself since the very beginning by the fact on how he was, let me say, he born and he grown, he grown up. And at this point of view, today, the most interesting aspects that have to be analyzed in the cultural industries, all around the cultural industries, not just in the design fields oriented, is what are also called the known designers. So the people who are able actually to find the solution and to develop throughout any process um, very meaningful and helpful services or product or whatever it required even if they did not study design or they were not involved in any kind of institutions or activities related specifically to design. On the other hand, this is the reason why, following your, your, your questions, design is spreading everywhere, from the educational system to big industries and firms, thinking about the contributions that design has provided to all the big tech companies, for example and how revolutionary work out. Social design acknowledges uh, the designer's role and responsibility to the society. Should all designers process in that way? The key element is this fact that I just, I, I, I think that the key element is based on the balance in between being a problem solver today and being responsible for that solutions that you are providing. You're asking me about this uh, responsibility, right? The fact that designers in a sort of way should be more responsible because they are designing products or services that can change other people's lives. The truth is that in the ecosystems, in the complexity of the ecosystems we are living in today, everybody are responsible. I'm sorry, I'm a librarian, so I have a book and a story to be told for each argument I'm facing. And this question is immediately remind me, reminds me 1972, probably the turning point of the Italian design uh, fame all around the world was determined by the exhibition, which was called uh, Madalena Italy, the New Domestic Landscape, uh, then organized in MoMA New York Museum. The curator of that exhibition was Emilio Ambas. Uh, there is a book. It's not a book. His own booklet uh, that have been typewritten, one copy by one and personally addressed to 
the designers and the architects that have been selected at that time to participate to that exhibition. By scrolling the page of that book, so I have the version from Anna Castelli Ferrieri because part of our archive is from the Castelli Ferrieri family, one of the donors. If you open the first page, Emilio Zampa's Ambat's uh, statement at the introduction, you know, the very first one. We are Italian, we used to dedicate this to our sons, our moms, our families. No, nothing like that. That were actually aimed to provide the indication to participate to uh, that exhibition. The statement was like that you will be responsible forever for everything you have domesticated. So everything that from the nature you are bringing, you are letting enter your home, your family, your inner cycle, let's say, let's call it like this, you will be responsible for this act. Because if you do it once, everybody can do it. So this kind of open call for responsibility acts that we are now living in today, more than three months ago, I'm saying, are absolutely fitting to that kind of thoughts and approach that have been said and spoke clear and loud in 1972 with that exhibitions, I think, and the role of responsibility of design in the society, nowadays society. Lorenzo, considering the current global situation, what is your vision of the future of design and technology, and uh, in particular digitalization of the analog library? The biggest problem today with all the technologies, not just the one related to the digital transformations of an analogic uh, content. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is, uh, if it's a book, a magazine, a picture, a person, whatever, a product. is related to patents. Design systems, uh, industrial design systems for the last since the very beginning, so after the Second World War, have been protected by patents. Starting from the United States, but then also can arrive to Europe, the same exactly economic models, where you are, as an inventor and as a producer, so you designer and both the company, are sharing the incomes about a patented design. What's a patented design? It's an idea. The idea that everything that has been created and shared for a profit will enter a system, the royalties one, the most diffused one in Italy, where you are getting a percentage from that money, a part, it was in between three and five percent, you. When, when you will die, also your sons and the sons of your sons 
thanks to the internet at the beginning of the 90s, the end of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s, this kind of economical scheme, which was related in using the ideas and the content and being replicated, everybody can remember clearly what was YouTube at the beginning, what has been represented YouTube after Napster uh, for the music industries, right? In the design fields is very similar, the situation. The truth is that today is not existing a platform, which is, well, it's few years that some, some, some open source communities is launched at some platform, but let's say they are not representing the entire design system. That's the reason why I'm digitizing the archive, because intellectual properties on the contents of books and magazines last today, the regulamentation, the official regulamentations is in 75 years. It means that I would be able to publish for free just content that we will digitize from our collections of magazines since 1945, 1950, sorry. So a very, very small part because at that time just uh, Casabella and Domus existed as many Of the reconstructions in, in Europe and in Italy, Milan's was completely destroyed at that time, so we had to rebuild everything. There were very interesting times, but according to the fact that books and magazines that were speaking about that period have been published 10 years later, we, were, we are not actually at the moment allowed to publish anything, even if we are keep going on in digitizing without any agreement with the editors and the publishers of that time. This is a very serious uh, problem that the European Union, in my opinion, should face and they should approach differently according to the United States regulations of the intellectual properties because uh, in the European Union, we have almost 70% of the cultural heritages that are all around the world, right? So for me, it's very important that we will find our own solution uh to determine what kind of access and we will provide and how cultural industries can be as the design library itself but i know that i'm not speaking just by myself a lot of people i know are in the same situation they are now investing for a long-term result by digitizing their archives uh this is a very hot topic today. What is happening? Well, the most clear effect uh, that we just experience in the design industries is related to 3D printing technologies. I remember uh, Design Thursday's talk uh, where Gismondi, um, the CEO of Artemide, came and he was telling the fact that in 1968, 69, something like that, he spent something about 40 million liras at that time, and he owned 3D printing technology since the very beginning because it's the fastest and the most efficient prototyping technologies available. But that was patent. 
the truth is that the open source movement born and uh, developed design solutions since those patents expired in 19, no, in 2004, I think, or before, I can't remember properly exactly the date when the patent on 3D printing technologies expired. But at that time, I'm facing the same, at that time, when people were able to not to buy the knowledge, but to have access for free to the knowledge. For example, MIT has established the network of the Fab Labs, which is a revolutionary way to find solutions. We can, and, and that became very famous in the last three months. Uh, all the face masks that locally have been delivered or any uh, respiratore. I can't find the term, sorry. A lot of medical supply that have been provided. Vent ventilator, maybe. Ventilator, ventilator, thank you. Uh, a lot of uh, medical supplies that have been delivered. The open source health and care system is a very important topic. So access to technologies, the digital divide nowadays in the European Union, they are all related to the digitalizations of the world we are living in and the intellectual properties that are related to that from time to time field. This is the thing. Barentir Singh, Lorenzo, thank you. Simply speaking, a pluralism can be defined as a society that, in, that entails the coexistence of culturally different groups. The crisis we are experiencing at the moment in a way breaks this principle. Do you think when we look back at this period, 2020, is the year that brings people together or only strengthens the even enlarging gap between cultures and nations? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't, no, actually, no, absolutely at all. Even if, uh, well, I, can, I can tell you my story and by analyzing what happened to me, I never felt in any ways forced to be back home and be locked down but from time to time from our but also other governments the truth is that if you were all of us were free to choose people who were on holiday people who were abroad for work people who were everywhere And you know what is very interesting to analyze for me is that period where there have been one week, I think, in Italy. That was very funny to look at from the outside, let me say. I was already abroad at that time, and there were an, an, an interperiod where things were not been, had not been defined yet, so with so many, with, uh, so many restrictions, let's say. In moving, for example, uh, in between regions, right? There was a week before all the flight cancellations across Europe directly to Lombardy and Milan. 
the 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 people who were more smart and keen at that moment moved and redesigned their life according to the future possible scenario they should face in two or three months. So those who were able to do that and to have to predict this vision, for example, I have friends who had decided to move, they are together, they are partners, they are life partners, maybe. they decided also to spend their, this time separate one to each other, maybe in two different cities or in two different houses, but instead that staying together. So the, I'm not 100% sure that everything that we are reading about this lockdown situations is, is just mainstream communications. The truth is very different, in my opinion. And it's not so and it's not representing the larger part of the populations and the larger part of people's beliefs. Thank you, Lorenzo. My last question to you is um, cultural mosaic. Is it a utopia, in your opinion? Uh, while you're asking this question, asking me these questions, I'm visualizing. I have a very visual mind. So, so I'm always translating words into images in my mind, as, as a lot of us are doing, let's say, are common to, do, to simplify the questions. In my mind, a mosaic is a big paint made out of very small tessera that have very well-defined borders, that are very, the edges are slightly touching one to each other, but if you look closely, there is always a gap in between each tesseras of the mosaic. The, the most precious one, and also the most expensive one, and the most valuable one, are the one that have, are made by the smaller species. So the number and the dimensions of that small colored different stones is not an utopia. It depends on the scale that you are looking at that frame, that part of the paint. It depends just how close you are. But the truth is that uh, is actually the society we are living in. As a, nobody, the integration is not to trace one line, is to put the dots one close to the other. That's the real one. Thank you so much, Lorenzo, for being here with us and for this very interesting conversation.